Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. Matt Clark, research analyst for Money and Markets and your host for the Bull and the Bear podcast here for your uh, weekend, if you will, uh, podcast episode. And today, uh, I'm going to bring in uh, Money Markets contributor Charles Sizemore. I've been kind of flying solo a little bit last uh, last couple of weeks, but Charles is uh, going to join me today. And we're going to talk about a couple uh, a couple of stocks. Basically, my 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 motive for today is I in a previous podcast I talked about how small cap stocks can tend to be a little risky just because um, they trade a little more more volatile uh, or or their trading volume isn't nearly as high. Uh, and large cap stocks tend to be those ones that you kind of relax on. I mean, oh, I'm in Walmart. Well, that's okay. I probably am not going to see much variation one way or the other. Or I'm in Amazon. It's not going to be that big of a variation. But with small cap stocks, you can get very big fluctuations up or down uh, at any given time. But the, the, the thing about small cap stocks uh, that are compared, that, that, that make them maybe a little bit more advantageous for, for us, for we investors, is, is that small cap stocks do tend to produce those massive gain gains that investors are always looking for. Those, those quick double digits, even those long-term 12-month triple digit gains, small, stock, small cap stocks tend to have uh, more of an ability to produce those than your Amazons, your Apples, your, 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 your Googles, all that. They, they don't really make those returns. Um, and, and so today, I kind of want to drill down a little bit and, and look at a particular sector and, and even very specific mainly because I think there's some hidden gems in this sector that are, are tend to go overlooked. And what I'm talking about is small tech companies. By small tech, I mean mid to small cap uh, tech companies that are not massive. They're not massive. You probably, you may have heard of them, but then again, it's more likely than not that you haven't. Uh, and tech has been kind of up and down of late, um, you know, more up now. Uh, and, and the Invesco Small Cap Information Technology ETF, it trades on the NASDAQ under PSCT. Um, it's an exchange-traded fund that tracks small cap tech stocks. It's jumped about 60%, give or take, since reaching a low in March of 2020. Then again, most ETFs that are tracking uh, a, a big basket of stocks are moving between 60 and 70% from their March lows. It dipped in September, which a lot of the market did, and since it's risen about 13% to its current price. Um, and, and so I wanted to kind of take a look, a little bit deeper look at, uh, these, uh, at a couple of small tech, small tech companies that are, that are small caps, uh, and, and to kind of get Charles's take from his pr perspective. And then, uh, I'll, I'll give you my insight as well. So first I want to welcome, uh, Charles Sizemore, uh, to the, uh, to the episode. Charles, first, thanks for, for joining and, and, uh, welcome. Good to be here. Uh, we'll, we'll jump right in. The first stock that I found, and again, I, I'm going to preface by saying these are stocks that you may not have ever heard of. And that's okay, because you don't always make money on just stocks that make headlines. That's not necessarily where your portfolio should be rested. Uh, generally speaking, you make more on the ones you've never heard of. Exactly. So that, that, tends to, that lends itself to, to, to today. The first company is a company that specializes in software application development. It also has information technology and business process integration. Those are all just fancy words for saying that they develop software and sell it to companies. Uh, their, their software is used for, by healthcare providers, uh, mobile app developers, uh, guys like me who like to visualize data. Uh, they have software for that as well. 
Company sales in 2010 were $89 million. They've steadily gone up and each of the last nine years, they were at $326 million in sales in 2019. They have a one year annual sales growth rate of about 19%. Earnings per share were about 27 cents a share in 2016, jumped to 39 cents a share in 2018, but 2019 was a bit of an issue for them. Their earnings dropped back to 26 cents a share as one year, uh, one year earnings per, uh, per share growth rate of about 9.3%. Share prices jumped about 155% since March. Uh, their lows were about $16. Uh, it's pulled back a little bit. Uh, it's right at $13. It's a, it wasn't 16, now it's back to around 13. Uh, its lows were down to, I think, eight, uh, nine, even less than that. Uh, the company here is Magic Software Enterprises. It trades on the NASDAQ under MGIC. Uh, again, not a big company, doesn't have a huge market cap. It's not driving a bunch of headlines on, on traditional financial news networks. Um, so it's, and that's kind of the point. So first, Charles, give me your thoughts on, on Magic Software outside of just kind of having a really cool name. See, my, my, my initial thought was they actually kind of need to work on the name. It just doesn't sound like a company you would take seriously. <laughs> I feel like I should be using trading cards to play it. Uh, to, to, I know, to it's like DungeonsAndDragons.com or something. But uh, anyway, before, before I do that, I will back up for a minute. There is a pretty well-known uh, bias in investing of the small cap bias where uh, traditionally smaller cap stocks have outperformed. Uh, the first real study to you know prove this was uh, done by um, uh, Kenneth French and Eugene uh, Fama. They had a, a three-factor model, and, and they had um, you know one of the three factors was size. And they they you know do, doing their geeky stats work, you know they they proved that smaller cap stocks tend to outperform larger cap stocks over time. Now they left open the you know the, the explanation of why you know academics in papers like this they'll tell you what happens but they kind of you know they won't necessarily hypothesize on why it happens right but they, they we did you know, they did throw out a few ideas and, and others have contrib contributed to this as well one reason small caps tend to outperform is that they're they're less researched you know there's is there anybody in the world that doesn't know who what amazon.com is right Exactly. You have every Wall Street bank, every you know mutual fund, every everybody is looking at that stock daily. So you know if you're if you're a big bank or hedge fund, whatever, you you don't necessarily have the resources or the money or the time to research every stock. And so right. some of these smaller cap stocks kind of get left behind. They don't they don't get researched. So they you, you can discover them. You know, they can be that hidden gem you find. It's, it's exactly. It's kind of like a diamond in the rub. And I will tell you this of the exactly. two stocks we're gonna talk about today, uh, I found a grand total of one analyst that covers either one of these stocks. And that's and it, it, you know, it's that's kind of basement too. I, it's, yeah, it's, exactly, yeah. And I, I don't even know who it is. I don't, it's, I mean, it's not your traditional big name or anything like that. Sure. And that's, and that's uncommon. Uh, well, it's common for small caps because again, there's just not a lot of research done on them. They kind of fly under the radar. Whereas your larger companies, your Apple, your Amazon, Facebook, I mean, they have 80 analysts following them. If because not, if not more, if, if not 80, more, 80, 80 that you would have heard of. And then, you know, and another hundred that you probably have never heard of. Exactly. And, and so it, that speaks to Charles's point here is that, you know, these small caps companies, this is why they fly under the radar. And this is why they have a, a more of a propensity to, to develop triple digit gains over a long period of time is because you don't know anything about them. And, and you're and kind of forced another, to do that homework. Uh, there's another fun element here. And that is think about the amount of money that has to flow into a trillion dollar stock 
to make it double in price. I mean, just the amount of buying pressure that you have exactly have. look at look at like look at Amazon for example. I, I, what its price is right now to get a triple digit gain in the next twelve months on Amazon, that stock this would have to go up. The billions and billions and billions of dollars of exactly. money that would have to be bid into that right. to make it to make it to make it rise like that. It's it's a tall order. Whereas a smaller stock that has you know a couple hundred million under man uh, under management, a couple hundred million in market cap or you know a, call it a billion or less in, in, in market cap, it just doesn't take as much new money exactly it to send exactly. it dramatically higher. So for all these reasons, uh, small caps uh, do more do better do more better. Did I really just say that? You wow. did, and and I'm going to have to mute you for doing it. <laughs> I don't I don't blame you. Uh, for these reasons, uh, small caps tend to do better over time, but Oftentimes, it comes at the price of more volatility. Correct. So, and that's I the like and, and that's the drawback that you see with small caps is that volatility is much higher than it is because you know Amazon or Apple, it's you know slow, steady. You see you, you see upward trajectory, maybe a few slight dips here and there. But with smaller cap stocks, especially those that are under that billion dollar threshold, you know those variances can be much wider well, and much quicker. The bigger a stock gets, the more likely it is to just sort of track the market in terms of volatility, right? But the smaller cap stocks tend to be more idiosyncratic. This brings me to my long rambling point, and that was uh, I like smaller cap stocks for all the reasons we discussed, but ideally I like lower volatility smaller cap stocks. I like that holy grail of that potential for growth in, in the small cap space, but without uh, the massive volatility. And those are hard to find. Well, but we found that we, we did find one. Uh, Actually, one, I, one, one, one nice thing about Magic is that it is a, a relatively low beta stock. I mean, it, it's it's not it, it's not it's not what you would expect, right? Right. So uh, there's there's a lot to like about this. The company is mostly you know anonymous in the sense that most end users don't don't really know. I mean, you may use their software and not even know who made it, right? It's it's more that kind of behind the scenes type software. Uh, but that's fine. I, that's there's, that's that's great. Um, the company is is profitable. It's uh, their, their their software is in demand right now. It's at a nice uptrend, and importantly, the volatility just isn't that high. This is not a stock that will probably give you heartburn. Now, obviously, any stock can give you heartburn. I mean, it is what it is. This one's a little bit less likely than the average stock its size to give you heartburn. So I like it. And, and I'll tell you what, I do too. And, and, and I, I like it for a lot of reasons. One, first off, if we look at, uh, you know, chief investment strategist Adam O'Dell's six-factor green zone rating system, uh, Magic Software Enterprises actually rates a 99. Uh, and, and that is, you know, one, only 1% 1 of all other stocks that we rate, which there are thousands, are higher. We're strong bullish on the stock. Uh, it, it rates a 99 on momentum. It rates a 95 on size, which means it's right in that sweet spot. It's got a market cap of about $636 million. Its value is a little, a little off. It's not bad. It's, it rates a 65. So it's kind of, it's just above that median, that, that average that you want to be. Quality, 87. Growth, 61. Um, volatility, 76. And now remember, when you think of volatility in those scores, the higher the score is in volatility, the less volatile it is. I looked at this stock, its return-ons are, are blowing away the rest of the industry, the industry averages. All of its return-ons are in well, the green. By the, way, by the way, software companies in general tend to have massively high returns on assets, investment, uh, yes. equity, et cetera. I mean, th this is a sector that has high return-ons, 
Yes. And that stock does well even within that group. Exactly. And, and it's got a great gross margin of about 34%. Um, it's net margin is right around 6%, which is really good. Um, I like its ratios. Um, its ratios are all either right in line or slightly lower than the industry average, making it a really good value. Um, the other thing that I like here is I look at its debt and I look at its cash and more cash, less debt. Uh, which means they do have the ability to, you know, reinvest, maybe bring in new products, maybe expand on infrastructure. Yeah, if they you have know, a bad quarter or two, it doesn't kill them. Exactly. Yeah. So I really, I like Magic. I really do. I, I like this stock. I think it's got the potential to, to outperform by 3x uh, over the next 12 months. Um, I can certainly see that happening. Um, you know, and I think that it, it is certainly one uh, you know, to really consider for your portfolio. It is, again, it's small cap. So put it in perspective. You know, don't, don't bet don't the farm put, on uh, it. Yeah, don't, don't put 25% of your portfolio. In yeah, don't, 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 don't bet the farm on it. But Don't do that. Yeah. But it's certainly one that I don't think you can deny looking at because I think it's, it's got a good story. It's got a, it's got a good management structure. Um, it's, it's done very, very well uh, in, in each of the last uh, nine years in terms of sales. I think it's only going to continue to go up. Um, the earnings per share drop in, in, in 2019, I think that was an anomaly and I wouldn't necessarily read a whole lot into that. Um, because there's a lot of factors in earnings per share. It's not necessarily that one bad thing happened or something like that. It, it could be any number of things. And I don't think it was something that is to be concerned about if you're a potential investor in magic software. So, um, moving on to the second company, and this is a company that again, uh, you know, I, I scraped for, I, I dug for it. I really, I really did a lot of, of searching for this. This is a company that develops and sells online games in the U.S., Asia, Canada, basically globally. They, they, they sell online games to a global market. Its online games consist of basically multiplayer role-playing games. And if you're not familiar with what that's like, think of World of Warcraft. Um, think of something like that. That is a role-player where you are putting yourself in the role of a character to play a game. And there are multiple players that can take part in this game. That's what this company does. They don't do World of Warcraft, that's Blizzard, but their titles are Ragnarok Online, not to be confused with Thor Ragnarok, uh, Requiem, there's an entire series of Requiem games, and then Dragonica. Uh, there's also a series of those. These are all just basically games you can play on your computer, you can download an interface, and then you're off to the races. It's not, it's very easy to do. And they're very popular. Uh, the company sales grew from about 125 million in 2017 to 310 million in 2019. That's a massive 91% uh, growth. Rate. That's, a, that's, a, that's a huge growth rate. It's three-year annual sales growth rate is 91%. Um, company's earnings per share went from $1.70 in 2017 to get this, $4.92 in 2019. It's got a three-year annual earnings per share growth rate of 291%. Share price grew about 453% from its March lows to its current price point. All that sounds really impressive, but there are some buts. The company here is Gravity Company Limited, and it trades on the NASDAQ under GRVY, Gravity Company Limited. Um, and first, I'll, I'll throw it to Charles and, and, and give me your thoughts here. I, 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 have an, I have a sneaky suspicion where you're going to go with this because you kind of alluded to it with magic. So let, let, let's talk about gravity. Yeah, I actually like this. It's funny. It kind of takes me back to childhood. I used to love role-playing games. I, I, big shock. I was Dungeons and Dragons? I was a nerd. I know this is no. shocking. I, I know. I know. Same. Right here. Nerds. 
Go figure, right? We, we have basically, we should just rename this instead of the bull and the bear, just the nerd cast. It's the nerd cast. There you go. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, I no longer have time for these things. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the bags under my eyes uh, suggest I've, I have other priorities at the moment, but uh, I, it does, I, I do actually like it. And it, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a popular gaming format. Uh, it's also, you know, you have to go there. It's also a COVID stock with people spending more time indoors and interacting with their friends in uh, less personal ways online or whatnot. Uh, my kid, I can't tell you how many times I've told him to stop screaming into his microphone while playing Fortnite with his friends. It's just <laughs> never ending. It, it happens. Just, we need to soundproof his room so as to muffle the Fortnite screams. But right. uh, anyway, I think this is, uh, you know, it, it's, this is a, a good environment for this stock. The numbers are great. And as I, as I mentioned uh, on the previous stock, this, stock, <clears throat> this is a, a low volatility stock, which is nice. Uh, you, interestingly, it, it's beta over the recent 12 months is actually negative, meaning it actually has some degree of inverse correlation to the stock market, meaning it doesn't, right. just, it doesn't just move with the market. It, it's, it's idiosyncratic. So I like that. It, it's a small company that's, uh, that has products that are good for this environment. If this you know, second wave of virus infections gets bad and people kind of retrench again, um, you know, we're, we're going into the winter months anyway, where people tend to spend more time indoors. I think there's a lot of really nice uh, tailwinds anyway you add to that the fact that it's you know it's it's low volatility and it, it checks all the right boxes here I, this is one I, w I would say go go for it yeah i again i also like this very much um I, you know in terms of of its uh, of its rankings on the six factor green zone rating system it scores a 97 uh, which again, also we're very strong bullish on the on the stock. Um, you know, its momentum ranks about a ninety, which is it's not as good as magic, but it certainly is not something to scoff at. It's an eighty-seven in size. It's got a market cap of about eight hundred fifty-one million dollars. So it's slightly larger than magic, which is why that size score is a little different. Volatility, it actually scores better. Um, it is about an eighty-eight in volatility, which means it's even less volatile than magic is. Value, it takes a hit. It's a 15. And I think I, I kind of, I, I dug through this because I thought that was kind of an anomaly. So I looked and I realized why. It's because that in terms, we've talked about how they're so little known. Well, the reason why their score is, is so low in value is because their price to sales uh, over the next 12 months, their price to cash flow and their, uh, their PEG long-term are all unknown. They're, they're not available. So, but if you look at their price to earnings, their price to earnings actually are 20 points better than, than the industry average. Their price to sales, uh, actually five points lower than the industry average. Uh, and, and their price to book is about a point lower. So if you use well, just- this, this brings up a good point though. It brings up a good point in that if you know your model inside and out, you know what your model, can, you know how it works. You know, you know the moving parts. Right. And so, you, you know, you know, Data goes into the model, data goes out of the model. I, you, you know how that works. So if you know that there is limitations on the incoming data, you can sort of fill in the blanks, right? Exactly. I, that, that, that implies that right. perhaps this stock would rate even higher than it does Correct. if that data was more complete. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, I think if, those, if those points were known, if we had a clearer picture on the, on the long-term PEG, if we had you know, price to cash flow, price to cash flow is probably the biggest concern here that's not available. I don't, uh, you know, our six-factor rating system looks at next 12-month you know, price to sales, but doesn't have a high, degree of fact, a high degree of weight on it. So I think it's the price to cash flow that brings this score down. However, like I said, 
uh, if you look at it, it's, it's price to earnings. If you look at its price to sales, if you look at its price to cash, uh, to, to price to book rather, it is, it is lower or, or very close to the industry average. And, and, and so to me, I think if you look at that 15 score, um, first off, I think that's an underrepresentation. I would probably put the score uh, of gravity closer to the 80, 85 mark than I would the 15. Um, quality wise, it rates an 88 and, and growth a 97, which means we see this as a very, very big point though. Like, let's say that the value score as is, is mm -hmm. completely accurate. And it, mm -hmm. that, that, that is where it would rank. Even if we had all the data available to us, Sure, you do have to remember you generally pay up for, for value. You generally yes. pay up for quality. You generally yep. pay up for growth. You generally pay up for momentum. Correct. These factors rarely come cheap. It's, That's right. Like, you, you, you are attracted to quality. You're attracted to, you're attracted to these things and you pay a premium for it. That's There's right. a reason you pay a premium for a BMW over a Ford. I mean, it's, it's, it, it right. is what it is now. So it, it's not uncommon for stocks that rate high and all these other things to rate low on value. When you find one that has all of those ratings high and also value is, is high, that's holy grail. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's the mother load. That's, that's, yeah. that's the one you really want to spend a lot of time researching and, and, and potentially investing in. Again, not to say that gravity is not, because honestly, I'm with Charles. I like gravity. Um, I, think, I think it is worth your time to look at it for your portfolio. I think it, it also is another stock that has the potential to outperform the market three times in the next 12 months, uh, if not even more so. Another thing that's, that stands out here about gravity, um, cash on hand, $101 million. Their total debt, Zero. This is a company that has no debt whatsoever. That is impressive. That to me actually makes this stock stand out even more um, because now they have all the things and they carry no debt load, none. And, and if you're a company in this economy, you can take a lot of bumps in the road with you when you have no debt, you know, exactly. what, what ends up you know, eating the lunch of every company is, well, you know, we, we had to cut back on our, we had to cut back on marketing in order right. to meet our debt. We had to slash right. our dividends in order to meet our debt. That's right. If you don't have debt, you just have more flexibility. That's right. And this company has no debt right now. And that's, you know, and that's impressive to me. I, I, I like to see a company who has, I mean, I know debt is an, is a common thing. That's, it's not, something to scoff at. But when I see a company that has, especially when they have more cash than debt, that, that sticks out for me. That's it. That I, I like to see that doesn't always happen. It's very rare actually, but I like to see that in a company. Sure. Um, I, I think it's, it's managing things well. And more, more importantly, just as Charles has said, I think that means it can navigate potential bumpy roads uh, much easier than a company that is leveraged high in debt. And, and, and is not making and doesn't have the ability to pay that debt with cash on it. Just, just think of your own life. You know, if, if, exactly. you had, if you had your credit cards maxed out and you were barely getting by and you exactly. lose your job, you're, you're, you're screwed. You're right? sunk. Yeah. You're but, sunk. You know, if, if you've been responsible, you have no real debts, you have savings, you have cash in the bank. If you lose your job or you, you, you hit some, you know, something That's right. happens to you, you know, you're fine. And if this, com if, if this company wants to go out and leverage itself to, uh, you know, expand its market share in some form or fashion, maybe by uh, new game development or maybe even expanding into consoles or something like that. It has the ability to do that very easily. There's no bank that's going to turn this down unless there's something hidden in the, in the, in the, in, in the finances that, you know, I can't see, which is entirely possible. But just looking at it on the surface, there's no bank, there's no financial institution that's going to say, look at gravity and say, nah, I don't think so. I don't think we can do it at least not based on their balance sheet. 
So I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very strong on both of these. Charles, very strong on both of these. Yes. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, so there you go. I mean, again, they're small cap stocks. So, so take that with the understanding that there are fluctuations. They are going to happen. So if you're going to get into these companies, which honestly, I think you probably should take a look at them, then understand that comes along with the territory. However, these are two companies that we feel can produce those large market beating gains in a much shorter amount of time than you would with a traditional tech stock like an Amazon or an Apple or a Facebook or a Twitter or anything like that. So uh, Gravity, we're, we're both bullish on. Uh, Magic, also both bullish on, not magic in terms of a concept, but magic in terms of the company. Um, I, maybe Charles magic, like magic in terms of the late 1980s basketball player for the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, that, that's, uh, that's what we have for this week. Uh, definitely appreciate you, you guys tuning into the podcast and listening to what we've had to say. We've talked a lot about momentum. Uh, so I, I really hope that you, you, you've taken some out of that. Just a reminder, coming up here in the next week or so, two weeks, um, Adam is going to be unveiling his Momentum Masterclass. That's going to be something you do not want to miss. Uh, we'll make sure we flood out and let you know when that is and how you can be a part of that uh, so you can make sure you get your seat reserved and you can uh, uh, check out all the stuff. With the, the team's been working round the clock, a lot of hours on, on putting this together to make sure that, that, that Adam's philosophy is clear and is put out to you in the right way. So we'll have more information on that. Again, if you're listening to Bull and the Bear, uh, you can also uh, watch our video on YouTube. Uh, just go to our YouTube channel, go to youtube.com, uh, type in money and markets in the search bar will be the green Bull and the Bear logo. Click that, make sure you subscribe. And then if you get the alert bell that comes up, click on that and you get alerted each and every time we put out a new video. If you're listening to us, uh, if you're watching on video and maybe you want to listen to us as a podcast, you can do that as well. The Bull and the Bear podcast is on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, uh, and a wealth of other podcast indicators, uh, most of which I have never heard of before and probably never will. But by all means, do that. Uh, like us, give us a review, give us a comment. If you do have a, a comment, question, maybe a stock you'd like us to talk about, you can email us at thebullandthebear at moneyandmarkets.com. Again, that's thebullandthebear at moneyandmarkets.com. And one more thing before I go, uh, make sure that you go over to moneyandmarkets.com, sign up for our daily free e-letter. It's, it's, it's free. It, you cannot beat those four letters, free. And every day we provide you with safe and sound profiting, uh, profitable information for you to make the best decisions for your portfolio. Uh, Charles contributes all the time. I contribute all the time. You'll see Adam O'Dell uh, all, all the time. Uh, also Mike Carr, who's very popular. He, he provides a chart of the day. We have a ton of stuff out there. And uh, all you have to do is just head over to moneyandmarkets.com and then put in your email address and, and you'll get our daily uh, e-letter. We put one out once a day. And, and there you go. There you have it. So head on over there and make sure you can, you uh, get signed up for that. So that's going to wrap it up for, uh, for us. Uh, we've got, we'll have more next week. We'll have our marijuana market update, big news, obviously with the election and, and cannabis stocks. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll have more of the bull and the bear podcast. Charles is going to join me next week as well. Uh, if he's not busy, which I, I'll rank, I'll get him. I'll, I'll make sure he's not busy. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. And, and also cancel whatever I was doing in order to be on that. That's right. Uh, and then we'll have our week ahead as well. So make sure you tune in for all of that. For Charles Sizemore, contributor to Money Markets, I am a Money Markets uh, market research analyst, uh, Matt Clark, and host of the Bull and the Bear podcast. And until next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to the Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 